you know what day it is, you know what time it is, and you know what we're doing today. By the way, I got a little explanation for you. I'm going to make it very quick in just a second. It's the Supernatural News Wednesday, and yes, we do have a parachute today. We're going to make it an abridged version today. It's going to be a little shorter than normal, but that's okay. You know what they say, the shorter the better. At least that's what I try to convince the ladies. It's a Supernatural News Wednesday. We need a co-host. Let's bring him in. He's the co-host with the most, the BCB, the big cuddly bear himself, Beer City Bruiser. Bruiser, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm, I try to convince the ladies it's girth. It's not length, it's girth. That's right. It's not the motion. What is it? It's the motion in the ocean. It's not the uh, It's not the size of the oar. Is that what it is? I, I guess. Something like that. Yeah, <laughs> we're talking about socks, right? Yes, we are. Yes. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. Uh, I have to make a quick explanation here, Bruiser. Um, we have newer listeners that have come on board. Yes, that, yes, I see that in the chat room. Yes, Welcome, that obviously don't know what this whole thing is about. This whole supernatural news thing is about. Yeah. Because they're like, Tim, well, we're getting news, but why are you guys ha ha it up? Because <laughs> we're entertaining you. <laughs> <laughs> see, folks, here's the deal. Supernatural news has always had a humor side to it. Yeah. We don't just crack jokes to make ourselves laugh. No, no, no. This is the most copied format in paranormal podcasting. Yeah, it it just is. We we have serious stories, but we try to lighten it up. Exactly. You're going to get entertained. You're going to get educated. You're going to get enlightened. All that stuff is going to happen on this program. Yeah. It's been this way for 18 years, kids. Yep. That's just the way it is. The format's not going to change. Think of it like a Reese's peanut butter cup. Okay. The, the peanut butter is the, is the education part of it, okay? The chocolate is the entertainment part of it, all right? Oh, that's good. Yeah, I yeah. Like that. Now, together, you get one sweet treat, right? Yeah, yeah you do. Probably the best. Yeah, right? We're not going to scrape the chocolate off and just give you the peanut butter, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's boring. Yeah. You can get peanut butter anywhere. Yeah. You can get dry peanut butter that'll stick to the roof of your mouth and you could drink as much liquid as you can, but it's still going to stick to the roof of your mouth and it's it's going to be boring. You can get peanut butter anywhere. And sometimes we'll do the reversible Reese's. Yeah, we'll be a little more serious for the whole show, which is the peanut butter on the outside and then the chocolate in the middle. But that's a, that's a special occasion for right. like a Halloween thing. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes you get a little more serious. Sometimes you get a little more funny. It's okay. It's all right. Take a deep breath. Let it out. Let's touch some grass. Let's do something to, to center it. It's okay. There's some people that like the haha. Some people like the funny. Some people like the information. Yeah. Either way, you're going to get either deal. We're all okay. We're all all right. Okay? We're about, we're about entertaining the masses. That's right. You got it, Bruiser. We're all about entertaining the masses. That's not going to change. No. Okay. Do I realize that there's probably been one too many rim shots? Oh, sure. And I've cut back on the rim <laughs> shots. Okay. Or that damn drum symbol. One or the other. I had a very interesting conversation with a listener of ours, Larry. Who I want to thank Larry for writing in. Because we, we had a good conversation. We had a good back and forth. And Larry's, Larry's overseas. He's in the UK. He didn't realize that rim shot was that damn drum symbol. He kept calling it that damn drum symbol. So I right, because... Because well, you the one that gave us the definition? No, of, no, 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 no. With the English version of Rimshot? No, no, no. We no, both learned no. something. See, that was the educational part of that episode. Right. That came from something funny. Right, right, right. No, no. And, and by the way, Larry says hi, Bruiser. So I, I had to well, I pass hello, along. Well, Larry. Had to pass along well wishes from Larry for you. 
Um, and he's a genuine fan of the show. He just didn't, I don't think he, because he's a newer, he, I shouldn't say newer listener. He's been listening for quite a few years. But I don't, you know, I don't think he was quite wrapping his head around the fact that great things are great with two great things together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I told him, you know, it's it's just you know we'll tweak some things here and there, but we're not gonna we're not gonna abandon the whole thing overnight. It ain't gonna happen. No, it's working. Why? why yeah. If it ain't broke, why fix it? Why reinvent the wheel? That's right. Yeah. And maybe some of our humor isn't exactly what some of your humor is. We'll get around to your humor. Oh, we got, we got a, we got a, we're, we're very soft, Mark. Humor. <laughs> we, we got a, we got a quiver full of arrows here. We'll eventually yeah. hit yours. I mean, when you were gone, Bruiser, Mally was the one who pulled out the asshole jokes when it came to Uranus. I didn't. <laughs> so you can't what, throw she doesn't it. Like, she doesn't like Uranus? No, she's a big fan of my anus. Um, oh, but okay. I'm just saying. Okay. But no, uh, she, uh, and see, no rim shot there. See, did you hear that? No rim shot. It's because we're talking about an anus. Well, yeah, we are actually <laughs> talking about an anus. But, but that's just a, so that let's get rid of that. Okay, so we're done. We're done with the explanation. So Supernatural yes. News has humor. Dumb Crime, Stupid Criminals has humor. Some of the interviews, there might be a chuckle or two in them, but that's just a natural thing. They tend to be more serious. Yeah. There you exactly. go. There you go. So there you go. You got the rundown. And, and Larry, he tends to like the more serious stuff. That's fine. That's fine. He, we have a whole archive of great interviews you've done on serious subject matters. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there you on go. both True Crime Tuesday and Thursdays. Yeah. Because there's a couple where you've had to release disclaimers because of the situation that you were talking about with the guest was very sensitive. Sure. Sure. And, and hey, I like to get down and dirty and serious as much as anybody, but I also like to have a good time. I'm not, if I stayed serious all the time, I would have an ulcer. I would have been dead 10 years ago if I would have stayed that serious. You just can't. You got to have a string of humor in your life or life. Life can't be so serious all the time. That's right. But we are going to get serious in today's news. Okay. There's some serious stuff. So let's get to it. As a matter of fact, a little bit of a row erupted between U.S. politicians over the sinking of the UFO disclosure bill. Really? Okay. Yeah. Now, didn't we say on this very program here, Bruiser, that eventually you'd see this thing go away? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We said it would softly go away in the middle of the night. Yeah. Well, it turns out it's starting to make that little bit of a (laughs) bye-bye. A little bit. Uh, The bill, which was passed by the Senate earlier this year, has now been opposed by several House Republicans. Uh, now known as the Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena Disclosure Act of 2023, the bill would require every government office to release to the public any and all records concerning unidentified anomalous. Go ahead, do it, Bruiser. Phenomena. There you go. And extraterrestrial life or non-human intelligence. Championed by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, among others, it was hailed as a major step toward full UFO disclosure and a great level of transparency on the issue than ever before. While the bill was successfully passed by the Senate back in July, it has been unexpectedly blocked by a number of House Republicans for reasons that continue to remain unclear. I'll tell you why, in all fairness, it's probably because there's some budget stuff in there that was thrown in there. Yeah, because you need a budget to, to have a team to go and investigate all this stuff. You have to pay them. That's right. So there's probably some 
pork that's been thrown in there, and that's why they're they're just shooting it down, just to be fair. Uh, This has unsurprisingly prompted some heated remarks from other members of Congress. Schumer, in particular, took to the floor on Monday to slam opponents of the bill. House Republicans, he said, are also attempting to kill other common-sense bipartisan measures passed by the Senate, which I was proud to co-sponsor. Ah, here we go with the pork. Uh, To increase (laughs) transparency around what the government does and does not want or does not know about unidentified aerial phenomena. Unidentified aerial phenomena has generated intense curiosity from many Americans and the risk for confusion and misinformation is high if the government is not willing to be transparent, which is fair. Uh, speaking on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast recently, whistleblower David Grush also had some something to say about the decision to oppose the bill. Why are you blocking the bill, he said. And it's not going to cost much, a couple of million a year max, you know, for the panel, which is like vaporware in U.S. government speak, right? Well, but that's a couple million. Yeah, and, and they they don't want to spend the money on that. They're going to spend the money on other stuff. That's right. If there's nothing to see here, why are Mike Rogers and Mike Turner in the House blocking this bill? That is, in my opinion, the most legislation for transparency uh, or the most important legislation, he said, for transparency in American history. Well, here's the thing, David Grush. We have other more important things on the table than unidentified, uh, you know, or UFOs. Let's just call it what it is, UFOs, because unidentified aerial phenomenon is their way of saying, well, it's just somebody else's ships in the sky. You have to, right. you have to read the language behind the language. And um, there's two wars going on right now. You know, the Israeli Hamas war and then the um, Ukraine Russian war. So the government isn't going to want to put, uh, excuse me, all the money into this when we might possibly be doing aid to them we might be sending so something there's gonna be something happening so they want to get all the the money they can well foreign aid and domestic aid and again we're not a political show but that's where everything's going first yeah they're gonna those two wars weren't going on i think these they wouldn't block this but now because there's wars going on they're like wait a minute we need to save some money just in case yeah and they don't see ufos as a as a you know, palatable thing for the U.S. public to digest. So it's, it's, of course, you're going to have a hard time getting that passed in this day and age. So Uh, let's move on. A rare transient luminous event captured in imagery during an international space station experiment. Interesting. Ooh, yeah. A rare form of atmospheric phenomenon known as transient luminous event, or TLE, was uh, successfully captured in imagery obtained during a recent experiment aboard, aboard, that's all, folks, the International Space Station. The observations were made as part of the Thor Davis experiment. I bet you didn't know Thor had a last name. (laughs) I didn't. Uh, (laughs) So does that mean it's Odin Davis, Loki Davis? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they all have last (laughs) names. Well, Loki's his stepbrother, so maybe he doesn't have the same last name. (laughs) Probably not. It's probably Smith. Something boring like that. Uh, The observations were made as part of the Thor Davis experiment, an effort designed to observe storm phenomena in the upper part of the atmosphere and their relationship to the accumulation of greenhouse gases. The Thor Davis experiment is a research project that studies storm dynamics from space. The experiment aims to understand how high-altitude lightning affects atmospheric chemistry, particularly greenhouse gas concentrations. The experiment 
is an outgrowth of the Thor experiment, first undertaken in 2015. It began in August and will continue in February of 2024. During that time, it will capture data about thunderstorms observed from the ISS using a special neuromorphic camera, which is designed to function similarly to how the human eye perceives imagery by sensing variances and contrast rather than merely taking traditional photographs. However, the Thor Davis experiment also aims to study transient luminous events, which is mysterious phenomena that involve fleeing appearances of electrical discharge in the upper atmosphere, also known as upper atmospheric lightning or atmospheric lightning. The scientific questions that can be addressed with limb viewing from the ISS concerns the vertical structures of TLEs, reads a portion of the Thor Davis Experiment Mission Overview. We are in particular interested in jets and gigantic jets, which are lightning reaching upwards through the stratosphere and mesosphere. These have been poorly characterized to date because of poor viewing conditions from the ground and because they appear uh, to be rarer than the sprites and the elves. (laughs) Now, this is different than the Northern Lights, correct? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Astronaut observations from the ISS will allow us to regain some observations, the mission overview states. Now, the European Space Agency reports that the images of these rare upper atmosphere phenomena were successfully captured by ESA astronaut Andreas Mogensen uh, during his Hugen mission. Interesting. Very interesting. Every Saturday, Andreas grabbed the space station's camera, mounted the Davis camera on top of it. Sounds kinky, I know. And then headed to the cupola, or cupola rather, uh, to look out for thunderstorms on Earth, the ESA said in a recent press release. The TLE rather in question, recognized as what atmospheric scientists call a red sprite, appeared between 40 and 80 kilometers above the Earth's surface. Red sprites and other TLEs are mostly seen from space with help from instruments like the Atmosphere's Space Interactions Monitor, or ASLM, located outside the ISS, which monitors electric events at high altitudes. The TLE Mogensen, photographed using the Davis camera, is believed to have been roughly 14 by 26 kilometers in size. It's kind of big. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. Olivier Chiron, I believe it's Shanronian is what it is, is the lead scientist for Thor Davis' experiment and DTU space senior researcher called the new images fantastic. The Davis camera works well, Shan Ronian said in a statement and gives the high temporal resolution necessary to capture the quick processes in the lightning. Interesting stuff. Very cool. Yeah. Do you think they just added Thor because there's lightning involved? Yes. Originally, this is the Davis camera, and they're like, well, well there's lightning. We got, you know, he's the god of thunder and lightning. That's exactly what it was. That's exactly what it was. By the way, Bruiser, Halley's Comet is making its, or beginning its return journey to Earth. Really? I didn't think I'd see it twice in my lifetime. Uh, evidently, you may. Uh, Halley's Comet was predicted to reach its farthest point from the sun on December 9th, beginning a 38-year journey towards Earth that culminates in 2061. Can you hold on that long? Oh, it's 2060. We'll see what is that. It's like 40 years. Yeah, I'm going to try. I'll try. I'd be 91 at that time. Yeah, I'd be like 86, I think. 87. Yeah, you got to hold on for a while. Uh, but you may see it again. 
Well, we've been learning from old people in the other shows about how to stay alive. So That's right. That's right. Uh, after zooming away from Earth for nearly 40 years, Halley's Comet will finally turn tail and start back heading our way, setting the stage for a spectacular close-up in 2061. On Saturday, December 9th, the famous comet was predicted to reach its farthest point from the sun, also known as its aphelion. I knew a girl named Aphelion once. We uh, we had a good night together <laughs> back in I college. I actually knew uh, Aphelia. So really, well, you I should have... ask if she had a sister named Aphelion. <laughs> See, there you go. You got a double date uh, with yourself. That is at a distance <laughs> of about thirty-five astronomical units, or about thirty-five times the distance between Earth and the Sun, according to NASA. That's where the comet is. That puts the comet well beyond the orbit of Neptune and nearly in the front yard of Pluto, which orbits at about 39 AU. In a sense, this is a midway point of Halley's routine, which is 76-year orbit orbit of the sun. For the last 38 years or so, the comet has moved millions of miles further away from us every day, and now it will spend the next 38 years coming closer. Okay. Yeah. So So it's coming home. It's coming home. So there you go. Mark your calendars, kids. Um, so do we start a cult now or do we wait a couple years? I give it a couple years. 2061 is a long time to be worshiping. It is. So maybe we get a little bit of the groundwork now, figure out the uniforms, figure out how we're getting on Haley's Comet, and then we'll start recruiting. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to you don't want to uh, you don't you don't want to start too 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 much too too yeah, much. Yeah, we'd too have to soon. get teenagers now in order to make them They'd be about time to retire. <laughs> well, you gotta get you gotta start on you gotta start with Sesame Street, my friend. You gotta get the say, three yeah, and four year olds wait in. Till my, wait till I have grandchildren. Once yeah. we get grandchildren, then that'll be the start. Because even if you start now, I mean, you're talking they're going to be middle aged by the time you really get them indoctrinated. So yeah, and they got to go through the whole family thing and all that. Yeah, yeah, I got. It. And for those of you who are easily triggered by this, get ready. Because <laughs> there's going to be a few of them. It turns out that a strange object is trapped between Saturn and Uranus, and it's uh, transforming between or before our very eyes, even between the eyes, because you never know if something gets trapped between your eyes and Uranus. Just saying. It, it's called a taint. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, speaking of comets, a distant comet is trapped in orbit between Saturn and Uranus. Don't you hate it when a comet gets trapped there? Yeah, I do, because you have to extra wipe and yeah, well, get it in there. And, that's, yeah. why, that's why Charmin makes those wipes, you know. Exactly, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, that uh, distant comet is trapped between Saturn and Uranus. It's accompanied by a transforming disk of icy dust, new observations reveal. Don't you hate when you get the icy dust in there? <laughs> especially when you're out shoveling the driveway in the middle of a blizzard or afterwards when you're putting the icy hot on <laughs> ah gets right down in there have you ever got the icy hot trapped in there oh yeah i pulled groin muscles numerous times Ooh, ooh. before i was diagnosed with the bad hip i'd put the biofreeze and the icing <gasps> out there and yeah oh yeah no no yeah well, a bizarre object that sometimes gets as close to the sun as Saturn and other times retreats as far out as Uranus, yeah, I said it, <laughs> has been discovered to have a transforming disk of dust around it that changes shape and can even mimic rings. That's right, <laughs> rings around Uranus. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Minor Planet 2060 Chiron, or Chiron, uh, what's known as Centaur, which are captured uh, cometary objects that travel around the sun on looping orbits between Jeptune, Jupiter, and Neptune. I put them together. It's their baby. <laughs> yeah, Jeptune. It's kind of like it's kind of like Ben Affleck and J Lo. It'd be it'd be Jaffleck. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Sharon or Sharon is just uh, two hundred eighteen kilometers or one hundred thirty-five miles across, and occasionally has outbursts like a comet. To date, however, no spacecraft has ever visited a centaur. Oh, okay. Uh, probably because they're ornery. Yeah. Yeah, you got to make sure you approach the human side, not the the horse side. Yeah, because you'll get kicked in the kicked in the balls by that. Yeah, you never approach them from behind. <laughs> make sure you're coming from the Saturn side, not the Uranus side. That's right. In 2011, Sharon uh, passed in front of a faint star from our point of view here on Earth. Such events are referred to as stellar uh, stellar occultations. Wow, we've got the occult thing happening today. I was going to say, they're thinking about us. Yeah, they The are. occult. Yeah. And based on how an object such as Chiron blocks a star's light, one occulting object's shape and size can be determined through deduction. Uh, during one 2011 occultation, it was noticed that the star's light dimmed slightly twice before Chiron itself occulted the star. And two further times after Sharon had moved past the star, this observation was interpreted as Sharon having a double ring system of dust. Don't you hate getting a double ring of r- dust around your anus? Well, depends if it's the 80s. Everybody was going for that. That's true. Yeah, it was kind of fashionable. <laughs> now everybody is doing the, uh, the glitter and the, um, what do you call it, the bejeweling. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty popular. You can buy those little pills. Yeah. When you fart, glitter comes out. Yeah, well, <laughs> that scare me. <laughs> that would terrify me. If I sat down, relieved myself, got up, and the toilet was, <laughs> was I'd be like, was I abducted last night and, and studied upon, and I didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you're wondering, another stellar occultation by Sharon is due on December fifteenth of twenty twenty two. Or rather, it was, or it did happen. It was observed by the Catamia Astronomical Observatory in Egypt by a team led by Jose Luis Ortiz of the Instituto de Astrophys- Astrophysia? Yes, de Andalusia in Spain. My Spanish is a little rusty. So is my trombone. <laughs> they found uh, the material around Sharon or Sharon had changed again, detecting three symmetrical structures on either side of Sharon. Uh, two of the features are narrow and one is broad, and that together they seem to form a wide disk of 580 kilometers across. That's a big, big That's dust ring. Really big, yeah. Yeah. Occultations of faint stars by Sharon happen fairly regularly, by the way, in future observations now have a challenge on their hands to explain uh, what is happening around the distant apparent morphing centaur just so you know. Um, The results were published on November 28th in the Planetary Science Journal, if you want to read more on it. Well, I get it every Thursday on my doorstep. Yeah, you do. I mean, it's it's quite amazing. Let's take (laughs) our break right here. When we come back, the EU has clinched a deal on a landmark AI act. We'll tell you all about it. And uh, that dirty, dirty AI is getting you all nude and stuff. 
Well, yeah, they've been doing that for a while. Yeah. Called deep fakes. That's right. Um, we've got a Bigfoot sighting. We'll tell you all about it. That's coming up as well. We've got some funeral news we'll tell you about. That's coming up. Uh, Jamie Foxx had a, a near-death experience. We'll, we'll delve into that as well. It's all coming up after the break. You're listening to Supernatural News, and we have a pair share today. Nice. Yeah, so we'll talk about that. It's all coming up after the break here on Supernatural News and Parashare on a Supernatural News Wednesday with the Cruiser and the Bruiser right here on Darkness Radio. Welcome back to the best in paranormal podcasting. This is Darkness Radio. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. Right over there is Fear City Bruiser. Together, we're known as the I don't know. I don't even form syllables anymore when I do that. I don't know if you know that or not. Yeah, you're still better than Joe Buck. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. Is it just me or are they getting more annoying on Monday night? Oh, my God. I watched them with that Packer game. I got done training, got home just in time to catch the Packer game. And <laughs> I just, I, I kept yelling, shut up, Troy. Sh- you're just talking to talk, Troy. Shut up. By the way, if I may go on a small rant, just a small rant, that, uh, that asshole former quarterback was on with the uh, Mannings. Did he have a... Cole's cash. Yes, he had Cole's cash. <laughs> did you see the did you see the promo? No, no, like I said, I got home late. Watched the that end of the Packers game, watching the Dolphins a, game, went to bed. That son of a bitch. Uh he was <laughs> He, he does the promo with the, for the Mannings, and he goes, Hey, boys, I got extra Kohl's cash. Should I wear this outfit? Should I wear this outfit? Should I wear this outfit? You know, he didn't pick any of them. Julie picked them for him. <laughs> Kirk Cousins, you asshole. Why don't you go to rehab? Peyton Manning does not need Kohl's cash. Peyton Manning could afford all of Kohl's if he wanted to. I think he owns a few Kohl's. I think yeah. he's, he's getting rich off Kirk Cousins, I think. Yeah, Peyton Manning doesn't do anything right now. Yeah, I know. Um, by the way, do you know who I wish would swallow up Kirk Cousins never to return again in this lifetime? Oh, let me guess. Uh, our good friend AI. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, I used an AI app to create Kirk Cousins. And Did his, you? Yeah. And his leg shattering through his, his uh, <laughs> through his kneecap. Um, it was just my way of having some fun. Do you have the kiss story in our AI segment? No, I don't. So just the, real briefly. The avatars, right? Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. That was their big surprise for their final thing. Like everybody thought, because they promised a big surprise at the end of their final concert. And everyone thought, oh, it'll be the Suns. Because uh, Gene Simmons' sons and Paul Stanley's sons play in a band. So like, oh, maybe they'll come out, they'll have the makeup, and it's the next generation of Kiss. Yep. No, instead a QR code comes up, and they got avatars that are run by AI. And that's who's going to be singing the Kiss songs from now on. Did you really think they are going to hand it off to the Suns? Oh God, no! Gene's gonna Gene's gonna die and sell his ashes until his ashes are completely gone. <laughs> That's right. No, they're gonna they're he's gonna keep raking in that money and try to hold on to it even in death. I mean, yeah. come on, that's not how that works, Bruiser. Yeah, but I just I can't wait till AI gets into the whole seventies thing when they were the Knights in Satan's service and start throwing <laughs> that into their songs. That's right. <laughs> Uh, well, hopefully the EU will put a stop to it all. Uh, oh, yeah. We, we, can we really rely on the EU, though? 
well, maybe. Uh, the European Union policymakers on Friday agreed to a provisional deal on landmark rules governing the use of artificial intelligence. They include the use by governments of AI and biometric surveillance and how to regulate AI systems such as chat GPT. That's, that's right. They're putting a stop to it, Bruiser. Good. Thank here, you. Here is some reaction to the deal. Svenja Hahn, who is the German MEP and shadow reporter of the European AI Act on behalf of the Liberal Renew Europe group, said in 38 hours of negotiations over three days, we were able to prevent massive overregulation of AI innovation and safeguard rule of law principles in the use of AI in law enforcement. We succeeded in preventing biometric mass surveillance despite an uphill battle of over several days of negotiations. It was not possible to achieve a complete ban on real-time biometric identification against the massive headwind from the member states. They wanted to use biometric surveillance as unregulated as possible. Only the German government had called for a ban. So in other words, they wanted to use AI to be completely invasive in the life of European citizens. Right, which is destroying all policy, private Privacy policy. So good for Germany for stickles to figure that out. Germany. Yeah, Germany was the one <laughs> who stepped up. in. Yeah. <laughs> Fritz Yuli Piper, who is a specialist in IT law at Taylor Wessing, went on to say many points still to be further worked out in a technical tr uh, trilogue. No one knows how the final wording will look like and if or how you can really push current agreement in final law text, the devil will be in the detail of the final text. There are many areas where they had to make amends. For example, gen AI models are still in scope, but more limited and graded than initially, or exceptions for open source, but with transparency and copyright obligations. In the end, this is very unusual and necessary for results in highly controversial negotiations that the outcome strikes a balance in both directions. Matteo Quattracci, I believe it is, uh, director of EMEA policy at BSA, which represents tech companies, went on to say those technical details will be fundamental for how AI is developed and employed in the EU. AI uptake in Europe is going to be instrumental to growth and innovation and ensuring a balanced AI legislative framework that promotes responsible technology and protects citizens' rights is of the utmost importance. Alexandra Van Hufflen, Dutch Minister of Digitalization, says dealing with AI means fairly distributing the opportunities and the risks. AI is set to play a major role in many of the sectors in which the Netherlands excels, such as agriculture, education, healthcare, and peace and security. It seems like everybody's on board with what the EU has developed. Um... The new regulation, it is quoted here as saying, is important that we keep up with the rapid pace of technological development in order to protect people's rights. Overall, what they're doing is trying to keep AI from asserting itself on people's rights. Although it's kind of vague as to what they've done, they haven't released exactly how they're doing that, but they claim they're doing it where it won't infringe on things like copyright, it won't infringe on personal rights, it won't infringe on rights in general. That's a very fine line to walk. It is. Just get rid of the AI. <laughs> Make it easy. <laughs> well, unfortunately, there are some things that it's doing that are good. Yeah, I know. One of the things that it's doing that isn't so good, Bruiser, let's just bring in the old theme here. 
It's been reported by Time Magazine. And uh, this, this is not so good. It's been reported by Time that nudify apps that use AI to undress women in photos are soaring in popularity. Yeah, this has been a thing since AI started. Cause I remember when we first started, AI started getting popular, you and I right away said, how long until it's used for porn? And then all of a sudden we started getting the deep fakes things where celebrities were complaining because they were doing the deep fake nude of people. Yep. Since the beginning of this year, the number of links advertising undressing apps increased more than 2,400% on social media, including on X and Reddit. According to researchers, the services use AI to recreate an image so that the person is nude. Many of the services only work on women. Really? Okay. Well, that explains why it won't do it for me. Well, there you go. I mean, you know, we've all been looking for nude bruiser photos, but... Uh, I tried to do a nude AI photo yeah. of me, and it just kept giving me Chewbacca, and I don't know why. <laughs> well, I mean, we're all looking for nude Chewbacca photos as well. <laughs> well, isn't he technically nude in the movie? <laughs> you know, you're right. I mean, it's just the, what, the bandolier, and that that's it? That's it. Yeah. Kinky wookie. Uh, these apps are part of a worrying trend of non-consensual pornography being developed and distributed by <laughs> then... I just get uh, I just get ads from time. They just want to throw ads and, and pornography at me on top of the pornography article. <laughs> um, let me see if I can get back to the actual article instead of ads from time. Uh, it's part of the marketing, according to Graphica. For instance, since the beginning of this year... Oh, okay, I'm, I'm going over old stuff here. The apps are part of a worrying trend of non-consensual pornography being developed and distributed because of advances in artificial intelligence, a type of fabricated media known as deepfake pornography. As Bruiser said, its proliferation runs into serious legal and ethical hurdles as the images are often taken from social media and then distributed without the consent, control, and knowledge of the subject. The rise in popularity corresponds to the release of several open-source diffusion models or artificial intelligence that can create images that are far superior to those created just a few years ago, Graphica went on to say. Because they are open-source, the models that the app developers use are, of course, available for free. You can create something that actually looks realistic, said Santiago Lacados, who is an analyst at Graphica, noting that the previous deepfakes often were blurry. And nobody wants that. I mean, you want the real thing, don't you? Yeah, if you're going to see it. Well, it's still not the real thing. No, it's not the real thing. It's just an image. Uh, One image posted to X advertising an undressing app used language that suggests customers could create nude images and then send them to the person whose image was digitally undressed, inciting harassment. Uh, One of the apps, meanwhile, has paid for sponsored content on Google's YouTube and appears first when searching with the word nudify. Okay. Yeah, so you can just find it by that by that search term. Yeah. A Google spokesperson said the company doesn't allow ads that contain sexually explicit content. We've reviewed the ads in question and are removing those that violate our policies, the company said. A Reddit spokesperson said the site prohibits any non-consensual sharing of fake sexual explicit material and had banned uh, se- several domains as a result of the research, X didn't respond to a request for comment. In addition to the rise in traffic, the services, some of which charge $9.99 a month, claim on their websites that they are attracting a lot of customers. They're doing a lot of business, Lakatos went on to say, describing one of the undressing apps 
He said, if you take them at their word, their website advertises that it has more than a thousand uses per day. Really? Yeah. Okay. Non-consensual pornography of public figures has long been a scourge of the internet, but privacy experts are growing concerned that advances in AI technology have made deepfake software easier and more effective. We are seeing more and more of this being done by ordinary people uh, with ordinary targets, said Eva Gelperin, who's director of cybersecurity at the Electronic Frontier Foundation. You see it among high school children and people who are in college. Many victims never find out about the images, but even those who do may struggle to get law enforcement to investigate or even find funds to pursue legal action. So it's becoming a regular thing among regular people. Yeah, which it's got to be put a stop to. Yeah. That could literally ruin someone's life. It can. It can. The most disturbing thing is that there's currently no federal law banning the creation of deepfake pornography. Though the U.S. government does outlaw generation of these kinds of images of minors, in November, a North Carolina child psychiatrist was sentenced to 40 years in prison for using underdress, or I'm sorry, undressing apps on photos of his patients, which is sick to think of. That is disgusting. The first prosecution of its kind under law banning deepfake generation of child sexual abuse material. TikTok has blocked the keyword undress, a popular search term associated with the services, warning anyone searching for the word that it may be associated with behavior or content that violates our guidelines. According to the app, a TikTok, a TikTok representative declined to elaborate in response to questions. Meta platforms also began blocking keywords associated with searching for undressing apps. A spokesperson declined to comment on that. Well, at least they're blocking them. Yeah, yeah, but it's still. But I mean, still, that, that could definitely ruin someone's life. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. I'm surprised. I wonder if any of these are going to come out next year, because next year's an election year in, in a political landscape. Uh, although it's a bit of a a bit of a left turn on on policy, I got to think it's going to get thrown in there somewhere. It'll be a, yeah. it'll be a distraction type of tactic but yeah it, it'll get yeah. in there somewhere i'm sure yeah it'll be the shiny toy that we all look at while something else is happening yeah you're exactly right yeah let's move on you know tomorrow on the program we've got eric altman coming on we're going to be talking cryptids monster watch uh there's a story here i plan on bringing up with him and that is that a bigfoot enthusiast has photographed a huge five-toed print in west virginia okay yeah uh, we go to West Virginia, where the footprint, which measured around nine inches in width, was found in a patch of mud in Ritchie County. I'm going to show you this footprint here, Bruiser, and I want your opinion on it real quick. Oh, that's a good print. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Now, that's is a it, really good print. Is it too good? No, 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 because it slides. You can see where, if you look at the toes, they're a little bit deeper, and they got the slide yeah, there is lines a, in them. There is and that's hard to do with a mold. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, the footprint measures around nine inches in width. It was found in a patch of mud in Ritchie County. There are a few cryptozoological creatures that have generated as much debate and intrigue over the years as Bigfoot. A large hairy hominid said to roam the remote forests of North America. For many, Bigfoot is little more than a myth, while for others, its existence is 
undisputed, often due to a personal experience that has left little doubt in the person's mind that the creature is the real deal. One individual who would seem to fall firmly in the latter category is Chuck Headley from West Virginia, who recently took to the Bigfoot Believers Facebook group to post up a couple of snaps of something that he believed to be evidence of the creature's existence. What he had found was a large five-toed footprint measuring approximately nine inches in width. Sure enough, the images he posted uh, do show what appears to be a large footprint, but other users were quick to point out that the absence of any other footprints in the vicinity was a bit suspect. Why only one print? Another user commented. Why is there always only one footprint? What? I'm going to ask Eric this question tomorrow. Yeah, please do, because this person's right. There could be a, a muddy swamp, you know, 100 yards long, and you only get one print. That's true. Bigfoot only hops on one foot and then lands a mile away, was the other comment. <laughs> He's the Hulk. <laughs> That's right. Uh, ultimately, there is only so much that can be determined from photographs of a ang- uh, single footprint. Uh, could it have been left by some other type of animal, or could it be a hoax? You decide. Um like you stated, Bruiser, it's it's a it's a pretty darn good footprint. Um, yeah, I don't think he faked it. I think something left it there, but what I don't know. True, very true. I think with that, let's go to our parish share uh, that we've got for this week. It's an interesting parish share. It comes from Marky Mark, uh, who's written us before. He's got some interesting points here on this particular parish share. Let me just grab it real quick here. By the way, if you have a parish share for us, you can do it one of two ways. You can send it in. You can type it up, send it in the old-fashioned way to Tim at darknessradio.com, or you can go to our website, darknessradioshow.com. You can click on that blue button on the right-hand side and leave us a voice note. You have a two-minute window in which to leave that voice note. If you need more time, just click that button again. Leave us another two minutes. I'll stitch them together, play your voice note here on the air. Or you can just make us an old-fashioned one like uh, like uh, Jack did last week, and we'll play it here on the air in its entirety. Which still is really cool. Yeah, that was. That was well-produced last week. Uh, Mark writes in, hey guys, I hope this holiday season finds you both well. And by holiday season, I, of course, mean McRib season. It was very good. (laughs) I'm starting to find him pulling the plug on McRib season. Really? See here, it's still alive and going. Is it? Uh, There's some some McDonald's restaurants that are pulling McRib already up here. So I'm a little sad that it's going before Christmas. Uh, I know it's the favorite time of year for you both. Just wanted to comment a few things. Uh, oh, he mentions a few things uh, on True Crime Tuesday. Also end with a quick parashare. We'll we'll share the parashare with you. Uh, he says, first, I wanted to say congrats to the Vikings on being the first and only team to score during one barn burner of a snooze fest, talking about this past week's game with the Raiders. Yeah, and then they had the, the keg stand celebrations. Like, guys, he scored three points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that was on a turnover of all things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that QB change late in the game changed things up enough to win it for them. He mentions that. He says, being a longtime Ravens fan myself, I was pleasantly surprised to hear both of you predicting them in the Super Bowl. We'll get to Ziggy's picks here in a little bit, yeah, and we'll we'll talk football then. Uh, he said, a few weeks back, you read a story about a bear snatching a DoorDash order. Let's talk food for a minute. He yeah, says, it was a Taco Bell order, and he came back and got the drink right after. Yeah. Now, he has an interesting point here about DoorDash that... I think we need to elaborate on because okay. we were talking about tips and getting cold food. Right. He says, as a dasher myself, I, re- I was reminded of a time when while pulling up to a house, I saw a bear coming around the corner of the neighbor's house 
with only a small patch of trees in between. I dropped off the order and immediately messaged the lady to warn her. Or I'm thinking the same thing would have happened to her. <laughs> you also commented on how DoorDash released a statement saying how low tip orders could take longer to be delivered. I think that turned a lot of people off, and I've also noticed a sharp decrease in overall tips since the announcement was made. I've heard some comments since and wanted to clear up a little confusion about DoorDash and their pay structure that I think a lot of people have. The first thing to know is that Dashers are not paid employees, but are considered independent contractors. It's not like ordering from your favorite pizza place, where the driver makes minimum wage and you throw a tip on top. For Dashers, that tip is all we make. DoorDash provides a couple of bucks for gas, but just one week after the announcement, they cut 50 cents per order off that too. Oh, geez. The cheap asses. Yeah. Just saying. I suggested to them that they change the word tip to Dasher pay, which would be more fair. Yeah, it would, because then as a, a consumer, you'd be like, oh, okay, I'm helping them. Right, because if they say tip, I assume they're giving them a wage. Yeah, yeah. Because when not. you go and leave a tip with a waitress, even though she's making two-something an hour, she's still getting a wage. Yeah, it's not much, but she's getting no, right. a wage. Yeah. Right. But yeah, you're right, Mark. They should change it to Dasher pay. But instead, they made the announcement they did, which was a bad announcement at that. What they were trying to infer is that an order for low or no tip isn't worth anyone's time, so the order may be passed around for a long time before it is accepted by a Dasher if at all. They had a poor way of getting that across. Here's a quick rule of thumb when deciding how much is an appropriate tip. Keep in mind, it's not like tipping in a restaurant for someone to bring out your food and come check on you a few times. Uh, you got to make it worthwhile for the dasher to drive from where they are to the restaurant. Wait for the order to be prepared, drive it to where you're at, and maybe even drive back to a central location before the order is offered. Generally, I would say that if you tip at least $5 on any order, your order will be accepted. The lower you go, the less chance of acceptance. You may still get your order with no tip, but an experienced driver wouldn't accept it. My, first, my very first order I ever took was for no tip because I was just happy to have an order. But it didn't take long to realize you can't make any money doing that. So the quality of Dasher you get depends and tends to improve with a better tip, too. Okay. So basically, you're paying an independent contractor to bring you your food. Yeah. Keep it. Keep that in mind. Yeah. They're not getting an hourly wage. Wage. That's right. So you're you're paying an independent contractor to bring you your food. Another thing to keep in mind is that the order total doesn't really matter when figuring in a tip. It's not like a percentage thing like at a restaurant. You're paying for all the steps involved in distance traveled. A very large order can be a factor because there. Uh, there could be a lot to carry, but otherwise, it's the same job whether you order 10 things or just one. Shopping orders can take a lot longer, so bear that in mind. Also, the distance traveled is a main factor. One last thing to mention is that certain restaurants can have huge wait times if they are busy all the time or have slow kitchens. There are restaurants near me where I consistently wait 20 to 45 minutes for orders. I even sat in drive through lines for over an hour. This means if you get an order with a $2 tip, by the time it's all said and done, you just made $2 or less an hour. Oh, geez. That's horrible. Yeah. The last thing to mention is that, that if you want the Dasher to get the whole tip you left, stay away from restaurant apps. Now, see, I order a lot from restaurant apps because I get rewards. Right. Yeah, that's what we do, too. And I get a lot of free food. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think Mrs. Bruiser still, she has so many rewards. She can eat a Happy Meal a day if she wanted to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, when you order through a restaurant app instead of the DoorDash app, the restaurant can claim a percentage of the tip you left, thus making the order offered to the dasher less and decreasing your odds of acceptance. Hope that info helps to clear some things up for people. It does. So there you go. Another, yes, thank you. Another thing I just wanted to mention, I was reminded of when you read the story of Derek Chauvin getting stabbed in prison. Just a week before that happened, a documentary called The Fall of Minneapolis was released detailing all the things that happened with the incident and trial. Many of the things in it were not widely known while it was going on. It was an interesting watch if you can leave your politics and misconceptions at the door or preconceptions at the door. I recommend at least giving it a watch and now on with Parisher. Okay. I was around for the trial and all that. I I don't know that I need to watch it, but if you weren't around for it and didn't watch hour after hour of the trial, sure, go ahead and watch it. Yeah. Um, last month, here's the parachute. Last month, I saw an ad for a laser pointer that could reach up to 10,000 feet. With all the things I've seen in the sky over the years, I figured I might as well order it to see what would happen the next time I saw something if I aimed it in its direction. Don't worry, I would never aim it at anything that had a chance of being man-made. I realize they aren't toys. Good, because you can blind airline pilots with it. Yes. It was scheduled to arrive on Friday. That day, I had to leave town for the night. As I pulled out of my driveway, I glanced in the direction of my mailbox. Oh, I thought, I should grab it before I leave. But my mailbox, being across the street and on the wrong side of my car, I opted to grab it when I came home. I hadn't seen anything in a while, and what were the odds I would see something tonight? Pretty good, as it turned out. 4 a.m. came, and I was about 45 minutes from home, driving through the remote dark of the Minnesota countryside. All of a sudden, up in front of me in the sky, I saw a very bright ball of light. I was about to point it out, but then remembered how the girl I was with always rolled her eyes when I did, so I said nothing. It's probably just Venus anyways, I told myself later. I did actually see Venus and verified its position with my star map app. It was off to my right and not ahead of me like this bright ball of light, which was actually two or three times brighter than Venus. After about 10 seconds, it grew dimmer and just fizzled out. Did you see that, I asked? Yeah, she replied with no interest. Up ahead, a couple of miles, I took a right turn. That area that was in front of me was now out my driver's side window. As I looked out, I saw a few stars, not nearly as bright as what I had seen, in the same area of the sky. Suddenly, one of them dimmed out, then the next, then a few seconds later, flared back up again. Now, I was really missing that laser pointer. They were right out from my window, albeit far away in the sky, and I had nothing to try and signal them. I saw them slowly blink on and off throughout that five-mile stretch of road until I made a left turn and could see them no longer. Believe me, when I got home, I put that laser in my car, and it stayed there ever since. I'll let you guys know if anything else happens. Talk to you guys next time. Marky Mark. Well, thank you, Mark. Yeah, thank you, Mark. We appreciate that. Let's get to a couple more stories before the end of the program here. I'm going to pick the best of the best here for you, Bruiser. Okay. I like the best of the best. I had mentioned to you that there was some funeral action. I don't know. I'm going to leave the Annabelle story for next next episode. Okay. Yeah, yeah some good haunted dolls. Yeah. Let's talk about a funeral director who got, is gobsmacked after a family burst out into dancing during their service. <laughs> what have you been to very many funeral services that that end with a dance um one 
One. And it was my grandfather's funeral, and it's because he had – you can't wear black to his funeral. He was a huge Packers fan. Okay. So you can't wear black to the funeral. You had to wear uh, – he said you either had to wear green and gold or for his Minnesota family, purple and gold was fine too. Oh, cool. But you had to get along at his funeral. Yeah. And then he had a jazz band there, and that's how they – when they – took his urn and ashes and stuff and did the walk the jazz band played and they encouraged you to to dance and oh so he wanted he wanted to be a celebration it was like a new orleans jazz band yep very cool very cool yeah yep well a funeral director has shared the amazing way one family celebrated the life of their daughter who tragically died in a car crash at age 16 saying it will always stick in his memory uh, sharing his shock on Reddit, a former funeral director explained how he met the parents of a 16-year-old girl who tragically died in a car crash. After going through what to expect at the service, the family asked whether they could plan something special for their little girl, knowing it would make her smile while watching from the sky. He said, I usually ran the back of the house, but met with the families on few occasions. Arrangements were tough at first because of because how how could they not be uh, with a 16-year-old girl? Uh, we got the official stuff out of the way and then talked about what she, the deceased, would have wanted. I ended up rearranging the funeral home so that the lobby had crockpots of boiled peanuts and a lounge with the Lion King playing. Unusual. Okay, that's very unusual. Yeah. Inside the main parlor was a purple-themed dance party. The pinnacle of the evening was a girl's mom leading everyone and doing the wiggle. <laughs> okay interesting it was amazing and i'm still floored by the family for being able to really celebrate their daughter's life in this way commenting on his post one user said i'm not crying you're crying another user <laughs> added i love this it prompted another funeral director to share the service they always remember as they pay tribute to an amazing woman who died in her late 80s. They said, I've been in the funeral industry for over 10 years now, and most services I've arranged have been run-of-the-mill. Most people seem to have wanted similar things, but one service always stands out to me. A family asked us to play some hardcore gangster rap for their mother-grandmother at her service, and we happily obliged. Okay. You bless them, Tupac. <laughs> That's right. I can't quite remember the name of the song, but it had heavy themes of murder, drug use, and pretty foul language. <laughs> that's right. NWA. <laughs> Grandma kept it gangsta. Uh, Grandma was straight out of Compton. That's right. Her service was then finished with a recital of the Lord's Prayer, by the way. Because <laughs> that goes hand in hand. <laughs> that's right. Because the Lord keeps it gangsta, too. Uh, the lady was in her late 80s, by the way. Another user added, my dad was a funeral director in a small town. One day a guy called and said, I'm going to be dropping off my foot this afternoon. He was like, what? The guy was diabetic and had to get his foot amputated. He had already purchased a burial plot in a local cemetery and wanted his foot to be buried there with the rest of him to follow eventually. <laughs> Uh, they can bury you with your prosthetic there, bro. <laughs> we did that with our fa my father-in-law. Oh, no, no. He wanted his real foot buried first. No, I know that. Yeah, yeah. he's hoping that in the afterlife. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the prosthetic can get buried with you, sure. But he wanted his foot to go first, and he would follow later on. <laughs> Someday I'll see you again, foot. That's right. Peace out, foot. <laughs> this one's for my foot. That's right. <laughs> and this pour, one's for my homies. I'm going to pour a little out on my foot. Uh, sure enough, the guy came in a wheelchair with a big bundle containing his foot. He insisted that my dad embalm it. 
So How did he did. get his foot? <laughs> like you can't. They'll turn it over to you as medical waste. Really? Yes. If, as long as you are taking it to a funeral home, they will turn it over as medical waste to you. Well, I wish I would have known that before I had my hip done. I don't think they would have turned <laughs> your old bones over to you, but I, I, I can't tell you how I know this. I'll tell you off air, but I can't tell you how I know this, but they will. Sounds good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was then buried in his plot. About a year later, the guy calls up again. I'm going to be bringing over my leg. I need oh, you to. He's just slowly dying from the bottom up. They're slowly <laughs> carving him to pieces. Yeah. I think he he should be watching his sugars is what I think he should be doing. <laughs> uh, apparently his diabetes had continued to progress and they had to amputate the leg opposite of the one that was missing its foot. So my dad dutifully embalmed it and arranged for it to be buried. About another year or so goes by and the man finally dies. Oh my God. My dad embalmed him and saw to it that he was buried with the rest of his parts, which preceded him in death. At least he didn't reattach him, like a Dr. Frankenstein. Right, yeah. Ooh. Let's move on, shall we? Uh, Jamie Foxx spent $10,000 lighting his $10.5 million LA mansion for Christmas after a tough year that included a near-death experience and a lawsuit. Yeah, I knew he was in the hospital for a very long time. Yeah, uh, he was. He had gone through some medical ailments that uh, were pretty mysterious at the time. Uh, but then he came out and mentioned that he had had a near-death experience. I'm trying to find the near-death experience. Um, Did they ever disclose what he was sick with? No, they just left it as an illness, right? They left it as an illness, but I had heard that for a, I know for at a one while, point in time they called his family in, and that must have been when the near-death experience happened. Yeah, he was, he was at uh, death's door. He says, I cherish every single minute now. It's different. I wouldn't wish what I went through. I'm my worst enemy because it's tough when it's almost over. When you see the tunnel, I saw the tunnel. I didn't see the light. Okay. Yeah. He says, it was hot in that tunnel, too. I don't know where I was going. Shit, am I going to the right place? Oh, that would scare you. Yeah. In his 12-minute speech, he also made light of some of the baseless conspiracy theories that spread while he was hospitalized and then out of the public eye for several months. He says, I'm not a clone. I'm not a clone. I know a lot of people who was saying I was cloned out there. I have a new respect for life. I have a new respect for my art. He added toward the end of the speech. Fox also shared his praise and thanks for his family, including his sister and daughter for how they had had help to care for him while he was recuperating. It's unclear if Fox will be returning to shoot additional scenes for his film back in action, which continued filming with, um, uh, uh, what's her name? Um, Diaz, um, Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz, yes. Thank you. And stand-ins uh, filling in for him. Jamie Foxx was given his award uh, at the start of um, the show that he was filming recently. Uh, but unlike the rest of his recipients, his honor was not announced ahead of time. Um, it was at an award show recently that he was at. I'm kind of skipping ahead because we're short on time here today. And that's my fault, folks. I should tell you that uh, I had a bit of a, a medical emergency with the foot that I was attending to. So speaking yep. of cutting off your foot and throwing it in a grave, uh, no, I didn't lose my foot over the weekend, just so you know that. But I had a bit of an emergency with my cast. So we're, we're um, I got it wet this weekend when I was in St. Cloud. So I had to change out my cast today. So it put us behind as far as taping today. So damn Minnesota weather. I know, right? Uh, so that... Uh, 
that's going on there. So, uh, so yeah. So Jamie Fox goes into a tunnel. It's dark and it's hot. Yeah. And I'm I'm curious because we had that guest a couple of weeks ago that said that whatever your belief is is usually what you see because he had the nothingness when it was his near death. And I wonder what Jamie Fox is. You know what I mean? Like I think he was uh, he was headed for hell. Yeah, I think he was looking down the barrel. Yeah. I wonder now, you know, without getting into too much, too much of a talk here, um, you go, you, let's say you have that near death experience, you get the tunnel and the hotness and you don't see a light. What does that do to you, Bruiser, personally? I change a few things in my life. Do you? I, I take that as a sign of I'm not going the right way. I need to figure something out. I, would I go full religious Bible thumping church, all that. And I don't know, but I'd do some changes in my life. I'd, I'd, I'd make amends with stuff. Okay. Okay. Cause yeah, that would, that would be enough to convince me okay. I'm not heading the right direction. Okay. All right. With that, let's move on. Uh, Netflix fans are only just working out the creepy meaning behind the black mirror name. Have you watched the show black mirror? I have watched a couple episodes. I really like it. It's a modern day Twilight Zone. Yes, it is. Uh, Netflix hit Black Mirror. Uh, the the hit Black Mirror has officially been renewed for a seventh season. Uh, the cult show depicts a variety of different scenarios uh, set in a dystopian future. Each episode is a standalone with different cast and clever commentary on society's relationship with technology and each other. It's written by Charlie Brooker. Uh, different A-listers have been on the show, including Miley Cyrus. But what does the title actually mean? Well, Black Mirror is just a scary-sounding tagline, or is there a hidden meaning to the show? Well, talking to Channel 4 about the title, overseas, Brooker revealed that it's supposed to symbolize a TV screen when turned off. Because any TV, any LCD, any iPhone, any iPad, something like that, if you just stare at it, it looks like a Black Mirror, and there's something cold and horrifying about it. So there you that go. is awesome. I never even thought about that. But once you said the TV, it's a TV screen off. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, that is like a black mirror. That's right. He goes, and it is such a fitting title for the show. I mean, I don't know what else we would have called it. Spooky technology time. <laughs> it would have been such rubbish. I like the fact that people were watching it on their TV or on their laptop or on their smartphone or wherever, wherever. And then as the end credits start running and the screen goes and cuts to black, they see themselves reflected. That is awesome. So there you go. That's what Black Mirror means. Good for him. That is, I love that show even more now. There you go. That's what, that's what Black Mirror means. Let's go to Ziggy's picks real quick. It, it wasn't a good week. No, terrible week. No, terrible week all the way football's, around. Football's a work. Football's a <laughs> work. It's, it's, uh, it's Don King. Don King is behind it all, uh, just in case you guys didn't figure it out. Uh, not a good week for the pups or us. I don't have totals up, but I'll tell you this much. Uh, darknessradioshow.com, the totals are all up there. I don't think any of us had a winning week this week. No, because the games are unpredictable. All of them. Yeah. Every single one. The, the, the for sure wins, didn't for sure win. The must wins, won. It's, it was, yeah. I'm just I'm I'm totaling Ziggy's picks here five and five five and seven five and eight five and nine five and ten five and ten for Ziggy this week. Yeah, she didn't do well at all, uh, and I had almost identical picks that she did. Yeah, so I didn't do well either. I didn't I didn't do well either. I think mine were let's see two and two two and four 
three and four. Yeah, I was I was in the crapper too. I yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. I I, I was sub five hundred as well. So no. it, it uh, well all the totals are on on uh, darknessradioshow.com. Click on the Ziggy's picks. Uh, it's embarrassing. <laughs> it was it was a bad week for all of us. So it was, and it it, it was the NFL because we weren't the only ones. All the uh, NFL insiders and analysts and all that all got it wrong too. Because I've seen the picks that I had that they had. I'm like, oh, cool, that was a good pick. And then the week happened. <laughs> yeah, and then the you're right. And then the week happened. Then the week happened. Uh, let's end today on an animal note, shall we? Oh, yes, please. I love animals. Because there's probably a puppy out there that had a better week than our pups. Probably. And this puppy is an abandoned unicorn puppy. I'm going to show you a picture here, Bruiser, of this pup as soon as it comes up here. Um, It says the video's loading. This puppy is an abandoned unicorn puppy with a magical tail on his head. Oh, okay. The only problem is he was left out in the blistering cold. Look at this little guy right here. Oh, he's so cute. He is, isn't he? I wonder if that wags. That'd be cool if it wags. Oh, wouldn't it though? He is a cute little guy. I'm, I tell you what, I'm going to put up the. Uh, I'm going to put this article up in the description of the program so you guys can see the picture of this little guy. His eyes. That's what I gets know. me. That's what got me with Ziggy when Ziggy walked up to me and sat down, and she chose me. It yeah. was her eyes because there's a doe eye. You know what I mean? There's a the cute little, and she's still this day, no matter. She's two now, and she's still got those beautiful eyes. Yeah, yeah. And she knows she can put her head down and go and look up at me with those doe eyes and get yeah. whatever she wants. This this puppy is adorable. A shelter came to the rescue for Sweet Narwhal is the name of the puppy, who is dubbed the little magical fairy unicorn thanks to the tail growing from his head. He's seen some big challenges in his short little life. The sweet pup with the tail growing from the middle of his forehead became a virtual superstar after he was tragically abandoned and left in the freezing cold. Rescue organization Max Mission found the pup, who had also had a foot injury on the street, along with another older dog, and took them both under its wing. Staff named the adorable canine Narwhal the little magical furry unicorn. And Which he, makes sense. Yeah, and he quickly established a huge fan base after videos were uploaded on Facebook. The Missouri-based center specializes in special and looks to help dogs that have been abused, injured, and have birth defects uh, who would die from or without their help. Back in 2019, the center asked the question on every narwhal fan's lips. The tail, unfortunately, doesn't wag when he gets excited. So, no, okay. it doesn't Still. wag. Yeah. But the puppy was taken to the vet after being reassured by staff that it wasn't going to be scary to try and find out why the tail was there and if it was connected and, most importantly, if it could wag. They wanted to know. Uh, after the disappointment, the center wrote, the extra tail is not connected to anything and has no real use other than making him the coolest puppy ever. <laughs> uh, for uh, for those of you who are interested, Dr. Heurig said there's no real reason at this time for the unicorn tail to be removed, and we wish it all wagged. <laughs> the doctor even wanted it to wag. Um, Narwhal is fine. It, he's been living his best life thanks to the amazing work of the center. Uh, it hasn't come without uh, its challenges, however. Some people were very hostile to the adorable pup and even tried to break into the shelter to kill him at one oh, time. Why? Come on. Yeah, because he was different. Uh, Rochelle Stefan, the founder of the shelter, said that some considered him to be an abomination. The shelter kept a strict security watch on their wall uh, to keep the puppy safe before Stefan, who had fallen hard for the dog, adopted him herself. So Narwhal Good. has a home now. 
Good. So there you Good. Go. Narwhal deserves a forever home. That's right. So Narwhal Such is... Such a cute puppy. Narwhal is safe and adopted and has a loving home and has the coolest little tail ever on, on his head. So uh, yes. I'm going to post it in the description of the show so you can see a picture of Narwhal. You can read the article for yourself. And our listeners are going to fall in love with him. That's right. Yeah, he's such a cute little guy. Uh, Bruiser, uh, you don't have plans for this weekend, but you are training at the AML Wrestling Center. Tell people how they can get some of the best training on the planet. Correct. It's uh, pretty much every day. Um, AMLWrestling.com slash training. Uh, sign up. You can train with me. And then January 20th, the big show in Winston-Salem at the Benton Convention Center. It's War Games 3 with Arn Anderson, J.J. Dillon, and... Kurt Angle, the Olympic hero himself. There you go. I, myself, this weekend, I'm up at KNSI on Saturday, knsiradio.com. If you want to hear me blather on about something other than um, supernatural and, and metaphysical and, and true crime, uh, if you want to hear news, weather, sports, I'm on from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time, knsiradio.com. Tom tomorrow on the big program, Eric Altman is with us. We're monster watching. We're going to talk about cryptids tomorrow on the big show. We're glad to have that brother back. He's been uh, gone way too long. Uh, he's back in the field and bruiser. He's sponsoring trips. He's doing trips out there in the wild so we can go monster watching with him. Oh, I'm in. He's Help gonna, me in. He's going to be talking about that uh, tomorrow on the big show. So, yeah, count me in. I would love to do that. So Eric Altman is on the show tomorrow on Darkness Radio. For Beer City Bruiser, I'm Tim Dennis. Thank you so much for listening today. We'll see you tomorrow on the best in paranormal podcasting. This is Darkness Radio.